He's awesome. He's an awesome God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. Would you just lift your hearts and hands one more time? Will you do it one more time? How great He is. How great our God is. Magnify Him. Magnify Him. There is a, a section two rally tonight. Uh, section two rally, uh, section wide rally at Peace Tabernacle in Hillsboro at five o'clock. At five o'clock. So if you're a mind to, then that'd be a good place to be if you can. I got a lot of time this morning. The clock says 9.30. So I have a lot of time to fill. But I've got a lot of notes. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to have church despite the lagging feeling that we have when we lose an hour of sleep. And, uh, but uh, I, re- I read how to do this. You can read all kinds of stuff. They said go to bed at 30 minutes before you normally do. And you'll wake up like you normally do. And I tried that. All right. Uh, you figure out the rest of it. You already have. Anyway, thank God for his presence here. Thank God for his sweet presence here. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful God. Go ahead and put that slide, the the title slide up, Brother Justin, if you will. I want to get this over with because this is the most negative I'm going to be. Uh, But I think we need to hear this today. And uh, I feel certain, you know, a picture, someone said a picture is worth a thousand words. And I think all of us go through periods of time in our life where we whether we ever admit it or say it or tell it or keep it to ourselves, we have depression. And there is such a thing as a spiritual depression. A spiritual depression often brings a sigh. Do you ever sigh? To sigh signifies an often involuntary act of sighing, especially when expressing an emotion of feeling such as weariness. Do you sit down at night after a long day and just sigh? Jesus warned his disciples that in the last days, iniquity would abound. And with such an outbreak in our hour, in this hour of lawlessness, that the love of, of many, love of many children of God will wax cold. Are not we living in that hour? We're living in that hour. Matthew chapter, you don't have to stand, just listen carefully or follow along. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Then I'd like to drop back into the Old Testament to Psalm chapter 12 and beginning at verse number 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off the flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said with our tongue? We will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Verse 5. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from generation forever. The wicked shall walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. As we look around us today, this hour, it's evident that our society is becoming increasingly evil. You ought to say amen. 
because it's truth. If you've lived long enough to see a change, it's been a major change just in the last two or three years. There is a sneering and a scoffing of everything that is righteous and godly today. Constantly being in the midst of this last day lawlessness can begin to drive uh, the love of God out of our hearts, away from us. Instead, many believers are now sighing and saying, God, just get me out of here. Has that been your prayer recently? If so, it may be a sign of depression. But one that is different from other forms of depression. It is a type of spiritual depression that can hit the minds and the hearts of even the, the best saints of the people of God. For we genuinely want to live for God and we want to represent Jesus to this dying world. Yet when we witness the rebellion that is going on in this world, we begin to wonder, will I ever make a difference? Is what I'm doing with my life, am I making a difference? Am I on the winning side or am I on the losing side of this? And that kind of thinking can begin to get a hold of the minds of even the godliest people. In fact, the scriptures show us that this has been a familiar experience for many that have gone on before us, that have written in the scriptures. The prophet Ezekiel lived during a time when society had reached this type of a society, especially the day that we're living, of depravity, that God had decreed, declared that there would be an end to the society. The Lord instructed Ezekiel chapter 9, uh, Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4. And the Lord said unto him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. Set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. In this very final moment of time, in that particular society, we see that a sighing has come to the hearts of the godly. I can picture them walking through the streets of Jerusalem with a constant cry, Oh God, it's hard to live here. It's so hard to see the, the degradation of society at almost every level, to witness everything that I hold dear, uh, being ridiculed, being trampled underfoot. We are living in that day. Let me assure you and, and encourage you today. I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to pre teach preach negative this morning. I'm going to give you a little hope, all right? God hears our sign. We read in Psalm 12 that even David shared a similar sentiment during a time in his life. Remember that David was destined to be king of Israel. One day everything was going to turn around. One day. He would dance before the ark of the Lord. Yet before that time came, David had to walk through a season when everything seemed to be against him. Society was going in the opposite direction of godliness. David began this psalm by saying, chapter 12, verse 1, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. In other words, godliness is failing so rapidly all around me, and I feel very powerless to stop it. Verse 2, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The psalmist was saying, their lips are full of empty words. They lie without conscience, and they even use the Lord's name without any regard of doing it. Verse 4 of chapter 12, who have said, with our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? This is the hour that we're living in right now. In other words, they had cast off all restraint and were governed by their own corruption and their own human reasoning. The sin nature of man had taken over that seed that Satan had planted into the human race, into the garden, in the Garden of Eden. Humanity embraced the devil's lie that says you can be as God. Didn't he tell Adam and Eve that? 
when you eat of this fruit, God knows you'll be as God's determining your own speech and what is good and what is evil yourself. You don't have to listen to God anymore. He is not the only one that has an opinion. That was the devil. And what he said was half truth. Wasn't altogether lie, but it wasn't altogether truth. It's just like our day where evil has now become good and good has become evil. Notice that the psalm does not end without hope. Verse 5 of chapter 12, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. God was saying, I have heard your sighing. I see your depression. I know what comes against you. Now I'm going to arise and put you in a place where you will be triumphed over. So if you find yourself in this particular season of being pursued by despair, rest assured that it's not going to conquer us. It's not going to conquer you. God has heard your sighs. God hears where you are. God knows exactly where you are in time. And he has promised to set us in a place of safety. Verse 7 of chapter 12. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Count on it. Trust in God. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of us. No matter how it appears, no matter what's going on around us, our God that we serve, that we worship this morning, is going to take care of us. There's too much left to do. The prophet Elijah was another example of someone who experienced spiritual depression. In, in his case, after a significant victory, Elijah and all the prophets of Baal had gathered together on Mount Carmel for a confrontation between true and false spirituality. In the end, the literal fire of God fell, came down. And licked up the water that was in the trench. Consumed Elijah's sacrifice. 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 39. And when all the people saw it. They fell on their faces and said. The Lord he is God. The Lord he is God. Ahab. Who was the king of Israel at this time. Had witnessed the entire ordeal on Mount Carmel. Before getting into his chariot and heading back to Jezreel. He was going back to report to his wife Jezebel. That was probably his first problem right there. Listen, he said to Jezebel. I saw the fire of God come down. I saw all of our prophets, the prophets of Baal and all their foolishness that produce absolutely nothing destroyed. I saw it with my eyes. Yet I saw this prophet of God repair God's altar, step back and pray a simple prayer for just a few moments. And all of a sudden, the fire of God came down. I saw it with my own eyes. But listen to me, the story uh, goes on. It did not affect Jezebel at all, not in the least. Elijah headed to Jezreel as well. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God came on the prophet and he outran Ahab's chariot. That's running fast. I can't help but wonder if it's possible that Elijah thought for a moment that those who were in government might just bend their knees to God, just as the people did at Mount Carmel. After all, God had manifested his glory. And there was now an overwhelming evidence of the reality of the gospel that he was preaching. Amen. Elijah, Elijah might have concluded here, surely this will change the heart of those that are in charge, of those that are in government. Yet on the contrary, Elijah soon discovered that hostility had actually intensified to the point that Jezebel herself threatened the life of the prophet. Could it be 
that the unbending pride of those leading the nation was what caused him to retreat to the cave, so full of despair. After he had seen such a, a great miracle, so full of despair that he, the prophet wanted to die. We find him after this great miracle in depression. Consider where we are today, right now in our nation. There is irrefutable evidence that God made this nation great. There are those that are trying to destroy the history of America. But we are a great nation because God made this nation great. He took people from all over the world in just a few short years, managed to do something uh, through those people that had never been done throughout all of human history, technologically, socially, economically. Of course, we have not been perfect in all of this, but our country began with a genuine regard for the ways of Almighty God. You would think that knowing America's history would cause people to bend their knees to God. Yet we look around and can easily get discouraged asking the question, Lord, what's going on? What is it going to take to touch our families? What is it going to take to touch our nation? What will cause us to finally turn from our present course of destruction? Where is the revival that we've been talking about? Where is the revival that we've been preaching about for generations now? The scriptures tell us that the Lord came and spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. He spoke tenderly as if to let him know that he was not offended by Elijah's discouragement. Let me tell you this morning, God is not offended when, our, when we get discouraged. God is not defended by our spiritual depression. We may, be, we may feel guilt, but God is not offended by it. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. In the same way, the Lord would remind us today. That he is not offended by our situation. The situation that we find ourselves in. He is not sitting in heaven with his arms folded. Shaking his head because we're going through a season of spiritual depression. God met Elijah in his despair. And he lovingly told him that there was much left to do. It ain't over yet. It ain't finished yet. Everything's not fixed and done. As long as we're here breathing, as long as he's allowed us to come to church one more time, God has something left for us to do. God has something for you and I to do in this hour. He met him in his despair, lovingly told him there was much left to do. And at that moment, Elijah did not realize that one day all of Israel was going to live for God. He didn't understand that a Savior was going to come through the very lineage of the one they celebrated, King David. He could not see the church. He could not see the church ruling and reigning with Christ for all of eternity. It was just as the scriptures tell us. We now only see what we see. We look through a glass darkly. Apostle Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even also I am known. Let me tell you today, it doesn't matter what we see. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. It may put us in a despair. It may put us into a depression. But it doesn't matter. God's in charge. God's in control of all of this. There is a day coming when we will finally come to full understanding. But until then, we have to let the Lord, Almighty God, lift us up out of our despair so that we can carry on. Allow me this morning to proclaim hope. 
there is hope. I say there is hope. The book of Luke, we find the story of another time when it seemed as if godless religion was prevailing, consequently stripping many of Jesus' followers of the hope that they had once had. Now think about it. They walked with him, talked with him. They saw him break the bread and the fishes. They saw all of this. Two disciples in particular had left Jerusalem and they were heading in another direction shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection. This represents those who had 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 hope, but in their mind their hope had been lost. Jesus himself walked with those two disciples on the road to Emmaus and began to ask them the reason for their apparent sadness. They replied, have you not heard? Are you the only stranger that doesn't know what has happened? You see, God sent his son and we had hope. We had hope for the king. We wanted to make him king, but they crucified him. They put him in a tomb. That was all that was left of their testimony. We had hope. We had hope. We had hope that he was the one who was going to deliver us. We had hope that he would bring godliness back into our nation and free us from the oppression of the Roman Empire. And now we had had insult to injury. Our own religious system delivered him to be crucified. He was our hope. In their eyes, godless religion had won the day or won the hour. How easily you and I can be drawn into the same conclusion if we're not careful today. We consider the same volume of foolishness that we see around us today. The sin and the degradation that is right outside these walls. Do you ever wonder how long this godliness will rule the day? You ever wonder that? I do. How long these frauds and imposters will be allowed to deceive and rob the people of God. As Jesus walked with his two disciples, he began to unlock the scripture, showing them that godless religion will never win. All it can do is fulfill God's divine plan for the redemption of all humanity and for the strengthening of his church. Everything is under his control. Everything is in his subjection to the will of God in order to fulfill the sovereign processes on this earth. God is in charge. As they approached the village, the two disciples urged Jesus to stay with them. And that evening, Jesus Christ himself sat at the table, broke bread with them. And the Bible says, listen carefully, that their eyes were opened. These were his disciples. But he waited for that precise moment, didn't he? To open their eyes and for them to recognize and have a revelation of who he is. And as we uh, are on the threshold, maybe, possibly, could it be that you and I as a body are on the threshold of an eye-opening revelation? You think you've seen it all? Do we think we know it all? Let me tell you something. I got a feeling. Now, this is just me. Trammel one and one. Take it any way you want to take it. But I've got a feeling we may be on the very threshold of an eye-opening revelation. Could he open our eyes to some things that we've not seen before? Maybe some things we hadn't heard. Maybe we could hear the voice. We read the book. But yet our eyes have scales on them. Are the, are the scales of spirituality fixing to fall off the eyes of the church and we'll be able to see something that God wants to offer us, that God wants to give us? Brother Greg, we haven't seen it yet. Come on now, trust God. Some things are getting ready to happen that we haven't seen before. Can he do it now? Why won't he do it now? When the disciples realized that they were not on the losing side, 
The Bible says their hearts began to burn within them. They got up and they headed back to Jerusalem. They headed back to what in the natural may have looked to be a place of defeat. That's where they were defeated just a short while ago. A place where the enemy had just won a battle. The enemy wins battles. Don't kid yourself. But it was in that place that the Holy Ghost later came and filled them, causing them to partake of a victory that is hidden from those who do not realize and know the real power of God. You know what? Maybe the Lord's getting ready to tell us to get up. The scriptures speak of a time when Joshua... The commander of the children of Israel also found himself in a moment of despair. The Israelites had gone to take the possession of the promised land. Yet after incredible and a very incredible victory at Jericho, they were defeated by a seemingly insignificant enemy called Ai. Compared to what they had just won, nothing. Joshua 7 and 6. And Joshua rent his clothes, fell on the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide. Maybe that's a key right there. He and the elders of Israel and put dust on their heads. Keep in mind that the Israelites had just begun this journey into the inheritance that God had promised to them. But now Joshua was wondering. Let me tell you something. Even the great men of God, even the prophets wonder. If we can't even defeat this little enemy, what will happen when we face greater enemies? God lets us think like that. So uh, he then began to uh, fall on his face before the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He said something's got to change. That's a false reasoning on our part. When we think that because we were defeated here, we won a great victory back there, but this little thing that we faced, it seemed like it ate our lunch, so to speak. It's a false, we think, well, maybe that was just a false hope. Have you ever looked back and said, maybe that didn't really happen the way I thought it? Maybe I really didn't hear from God. You ever done that? Well, hello. I have. Joshua 7 and 7, and Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Imagine the voice of the enemy taunting him all the while. Joshua, you began this journey. You have underestimated your enemies. You have underestimated your own strength. You have underestimated the promises of God. Now you're going to be defeated. You're going to be humiliated in the sight of man and before a holy God. You can be certain that those lies were bombarding, bombarding Joshua's mind. Trying to stop him from what God wanted to give him in his life. Maybe lately you have experienced a similar mocking of the enemy. But we cannot ever succumb to our fear or our spiritual depression. Never. We must not believe the voices that come to try to convince us that we have bitten off more than we can chew. That you believe promises that may be true for somebody else. But they're not true for us. Don't buy into the lie that your life will never make an impact. Or that you will never have victory again. Seeing that you've already been defeated by a seemingly, seemingly insignificant enemy. These lies of Satan have the potential to stop us. To stop you in your tracks. And to draw you into a deep inward despair. Into a spiritual depression. It may just be that the Lord has to deal with something in our life. Our church. In Joshua's case, the Lord simply told him to get up. Get up. 
There was no great amount of compassion in what God said. He just said, get up. God knew that there was something in the camp that had to be dealt with that was weakening the entire Israelite army. So, in God's mercy, he would not let them go forward until it was dealt with. In the same way, you and I cannot be victorious in the battle if we're holding on to something or some things that we should not be holding on to. So if God has his finger on something in our lives, in my life, in your life, obey what he tells you to do. It's not worth holding on to something that is depleting you of your strength for the journey. In those moments when we're tempted to be overcome by spiritual depression, you have to remember that there is a much bigger plan underfoot that we can't perceive or we don't see or we can't understand. We're only a little part of this incredible picture that God is in the process of painting. Nevertheless, though we may be insignificant in our own eyes, we are an integral part of what God is doing in this last hour. Did you hear me, Bethel? We are a big part. We are an integral part of what God wants to do in Arnold, Missouri, in this last hour of time. Imagine if you were to come across somebody who's doing a thousand-piece puzzle. I don't have the patience for it. But when I go up to see Brother Chambers, which I haven't been able to do in a long time, every time I go, there's multiple tables of puzzles there. I hardly ever see anybody working them. But somebody's been working them. Somebody's been working them because I see them almost put together. But just imagine you walked up on a puzzle and, and, you, and the person that's putting it together said, Ah, it's finished. And all of a sudden, your eye goes to one piece that's missing. Even though there are 999 pieces in place, that one missing piece still makes the difference. Amen. It takes one more piece to finish the puzzle. I just, this is me again. Just take it however you want it. I don't know what God's waiting for to come back after his bride. I really don't. I wish I could figure God out in that end, but I can't. You won't. We won't. That's just the way it is. But I've often thought it this way. Could it be on that one particular day? Maybe he's waiting for a number of souls. Maybe he's waiting for one more soul to be born into the kingdom of God. And when that soul is born into the kingdom, when he turns to just blow the trumpet. It's time. One more piece. One more piece of the, could it be that? that One more piece of the, let me tell you something. We are a part of the puzzle. We may be that one piece that's not all put together yet, but we're still part of God's puzzle. We are still part of what God's getting ready to do. We are a part of what God wants to do in this hour. Come on, clap your hands to him. It's truth. finishing. Our obedience to God, our going forward and fulfilling his call in our life is an integral part of what the Lord is doing in this hour. It is. It is so significant that the picture will be incomplete if we run. If we falter. So don't let spiritual depression swallow you up. Don't give in to the godlessness of the hour. Don't do it. Don't be depressed by Satan's lies. We don't have it all figured out. God never intended. You've heard me say this a dozen times, I guarantee you. I heard a preacher say one time, if he gave me, if God gave me the option of knowing all mysteries, knowing everything there was to know, or a lifetime of studying the Word of God. He said, I choose a lifetime of studying the Word of God. And you have to pause and think about that for a moment. Really? If God gave you the opportunity to know all mysteries, i got a lot of questions. 
How about you? Come on. By shaking your head, you make yourself vulnerable. I understand that. But we have lots of All of us do. We have lots of questions. We don't have it figured out. We have not figured this out yet. We're not going to figure it out until we get on the other side. But he said, if God gave me that choice, he said, I'd take a lifetime of study. And here's how he answered that. He said, because if you know everything there is to know, you know all mysteries, you know everything about the word, you can answer every question, then you have no reason to live tomorrow. No reason to, you think about that's true. If we knew everything there was to know, Brother Jack, there'd be no reason for us to get up and get the word of God out, study the word of God to try to get a little more nugget, just one more little nugget of truth. No reason to live. I want to be able to, till the end, I want to be able to, I want to be in pursuit of truth. I want to be in pursuit of the things. I want to keep digging. I want to keep loving. I want to keep serving. I want to, I want to keep searching for that last piece of the puzzle. Let's get back to that place of hope. Don't let spiritual depression swallow you up. Get back to your passion. For the things of God. Keep going forward. Keep trudging onward like Elijah. Even if you don't fully understand it all. For there is a lot left to do. Turn to your neighbor and say there is a lot left to do. And I truly believe. That there is great reward. There is great reward. Amen. There is great reward. Are you coming up here? Okay, you want me, I was going to help you up. That's what I was going to do. Let me read you one of the, the, the best, uh, one of my favorite poems, if I may. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is hard with its twists and its turns. If every one of us sometimes learns, and many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with just one more blow. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint, the clouds of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near. When it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you must not quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because you haven't seen what God has promised you. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop now. I got a feeling there's some great reward. There's still some great rewards to have. I do. It ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. It's not over. I preached a message one time, and I probably will never do it again. But I preached a message, and I titled it, It Ain't Over Till the Fat Lady Sings. I won't do that anymore. I heard about the preacher in Malden. <laughs> Did you hear about the preacher, Baptist preacher in Malden? If you haven't, look it up. Dear Lord, have mercy. Be careful what you say from behind the pulpit. Let me tell you, it could be the other way too. It ain't over till the reason I did it because I'm a pretty big guy, so I knew I'd get by with it. It ain't over till the fat man sings either. It ain't over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. We're still here. We're still here. It ain't over till it's over. Till God says it's over, it's not over yet. Hallelujah. Would you stand, please? Would you stand, please? Amen. Amen. Stay put right there. Come up here. Thank you. You all can be seated again. The Lord um, spoke to me the beginning of the year. And uh, you know that I love my 
prayer journals that I make every year. And so um, I've started a study on the armor of God. And the more detailed, it's unbelievable about when you really study about the armor of God. But once you get into that, there comes a times where, time where uh, you can be attacked. But first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, the Lord spoke to me one night, and I wrote it down. And I felt like it was for the church. And this is what he said to me. This is not the time to live in fear. This is not the time to look to the world with fear up on you. And I had no idea that he was going to talk about depression today. Had no idea, but I, I brought my, I don't always bring my prayer journal with me, but I brought it today. I really, in fact, I went back and, and uh, into the living room and got it. Now is the time to stand tall before the world. Clothe yourself with armor, with the armor of God. Guard your mind. Protect and cleanse your heart. Know the truth. Be ready for your feet to go where you are called to go. Be strong in your faith. Know the word. Study my word. To know what lies ahead. Put on the armor of God to cover and cover yourself with prayer. Pray without ceasing. This day I say to you, stand against the evil that would come against you. Know who you are in me. Know who you are. We are each someone in God, but we've got to know it. We've got to, every time we get up every day, we've got to know it. The weakest of my people is too strong for Satan. The weakest is too strong for Satan. Be strong in me. Go forward. Make it known that I am coming as a thief in the night. Prepare yourself to be ready for my coming. So after I had gotten that, well, it was like victory had come over me. Well, the more I started to uh, study, about a, about two weeks ago, and he was talking about depression, and this is the way Satan will work on you too. I thought I was, I'm just being, you, you, you all know my husband and I, we're just us, Okay. But, I mean, I'm just going to tell you like it happened to me. I mean, my mind was so attacked that I thought I was losing it. I literally thought that, that I was losing my mind. And it was just um, negativity that was unbelievable about me. You know, I, I, it, he, Satan came against me so strong. And I thought... I was trying to get through to it, and I, and I was talking to my husband. I said, I'm trying to put my, my shield on. I'm, try, I'm try, trying to keep it on, you know. And I was so attacked like I had never been before. And he showed me, though, in those two days, I have got to stay, no matter if I'm down or if I'm up. And, I mean, if we're all real, we have down days and we have up days. I mean, we're not on the same. It would be nice to be that way. But um, I had to really realize, I, and, and I feel like that God put me in this place, how much we do, especially now, the world's not going to be the same anymore. I mean, we're, we're to a different, uh, the coming of the Lord is, things are happening, and things are happening fast. But, I have got to be prepared each day, and I've got to have that shield on. And the only way that I'm going to have that shield on is that I have got to totally engross myself into the Word, and, and I've got to, I mean, you, when they say pray without ceasing, I know you can't go around and, you know, you can't just pray out loud, but you can get it in your mind. You can come to a point in your mind that those prayers, they're there. And, and I felt like that the Lord let me go through that to 
when, whenever, there's so much depression right now. There's so much depression, even with, with Christians. You know, they say, I, when, when growing up, I heard people say, well, once you're a Christian, you know, you don't get depressed. Well, I'm a Christian, and, I mean, there has been depression. You know, I mean, uh, uh, times, of, I, I don't like that word, but it's true. But I feel like that God really showed me whenever I thought I was really, you know, getting into it and getting my, my scriptures together and really studying it all. Satan is going to attack you. He's going to be there. And especially right now with all of this fear going around in the world uh, about what's going to happen next. But he, t he told me that night to tell y'all, this is not the time to live in fear. What's going to happen? It's going to happen. But we've got to stand tall and know where we are in God. If we are depressed, we don't know that. Because everything else is just, I remember Sister Haney, and I'll hurry. But I remember Sister Haney saying one time in a ladies' meeting, there can be nine things going wonderful in your life. But one thing can cannot be, you know, good that, ruin, that can ruin all the other because it, it outweighs that at the time. It's on your mind so heavy. And this is true. This is true. So if, if Satan can get a hold of our mind, cover our minds, exactly, then it gets in our heart. Because what we repeat constantly, and he tells me, oh, you've got to you talk positive. You've got to talk positive. You, you uh, um, even... And, and sometimes it's not easy to always do that. But if we get our shield on, we've got to get this armor on. We have got to. And speak faith, as he said, yes. But I also feel like that God is allowing some of us, some of us right now in this time to go through some things that's going to bring us up to a different level, like he said. Because you know what? We're going to have to be in these times. It's not just the same old, same old, same old every day, same, same old walk that we've had before. We are in a different time. We're in the time of the coming of the Lord. And we've got to reach souls. And in order to do that, we are going to have to have this armor on. Study it. Study the armor. It, it is. When I first started studying, I thought, well, you know, okay, that's good. You don't know. But when you really get into this, I mean, we're soldiers, this is not just a little uh, uh, walk with God. I mean, we got to stand up tall, be soldiers for him. And I think right now, with all the government doing the way it is and all, we are really going to have to uh, get deep, deep, deep in God. Because there's going to be things. Our kids are going to, in schools and all, oh, my goodness. It's, it's unreal what, what's starting to happen right now with this, this uh, new government and all. But anyway, I feel like that if we get our, our um, armor on, and another thing, too, with depression, if you know somebody's depressed, don't try to push them down anymore. Because depression is true. I mean, it's real. It's real. Love them. Love them. Love them with all you've got. And, 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 uh, uh, if you think somebody's down, take them out to eat or something. But that's, we're brothers and sisters. Uh, sister, I think it was Sister Kim and I was talking this morning. We got to love each other, you know. We got to love each other. But, but I think we're, God is trying to say that we're, we've got to be more sensitive too. We've really got to be more si sensitive. And I'm, I'm asking God to help show me if my brother or my sister is going through it because a lot of times people won't show it, but they're really going through some heavy stuff, heavy stuff. I had someone on my mind for the last two weeks, and um, I told my husband, I said, I'm just, I don't know why, but I've just really, and and so I've been, I've been praying for them, and I, I ask God, let us all be sensitive. 
And when we've got our armor on, we're going to be sensitive. We are going to be sensitive to others. Am I my brother's keeper? But in, in, anyway, we, we got to be strong. We got to, I mean, let, let's be strong. I'm looking for a night, a big night. And I want to tear that thing up. I, I'm writing a Bible study. And, a no, not a, not a human. The, the ten one, you know, six foot one. And I want to take that apart and show what all. The parts are four, but we got to get into this word. We got to, we got to be. I feel like now then I have really got to be a soldier, and I'm, I'm, I'm in a fight. We're in a fight now. We're in a fight for our, our, our country, even you know. But anyway, yeah, you know, you know what? We've got to go through a mess, brother Greg. We've got to go through a mess to get a message. That's just the fact of it. You got to go through a test to get a testimony. We, you know, we, we want it without. Uh, with in, with ease, we want it without a problem. We're not going to get it without a problem. We're not going to make heaven our home without going through some stuff. You know, this is temporary. This spiritual depression is temporary. What we're in is temporary. If you're on top of the mountain, I hate to tell you this. Now, this is negative, but if you're on top of the mountain, it's temporary. Come on, most of all live long enough to know what I'm talking about. If, but if you're in the valley right now, if you're a deep down and far down as you've ever been in your life, I'm telling you this morning, it's only temporary. It's only temporary. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of this. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, I am. This is just a temporary distraction. This is a temporary problem. I'm coming up and I'm coming out. Hallelujah. Would you stand, please? Would you stand, please? Thank God. Thank God. You know, I feel, I just feel strength here this morning. I feel undergirding strength. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My God is able. I said, my God is able. When I came across, the, you know, and I, you study, and you, just about every time I study, Brother Greg would probably say the same thing. I learned something new. I learned something new in my studies. I learned uh, something that I, maybe, maybe I knew it and forgot it, but I learned something new. I did in this. I just felt like it, that, that something's getting ready to happen that we haven't seen yet. Could it be just as the two disciples on the way to Emmaus didn't know who Jesus was? Now, how in the world could they not know Jesus after he'd been with them three and a half years, teaching them every day? And how could they talk to him and not know it was him? Except that he had their eyes covered. He had. He didn't. He didn't want them to know who he was. He didn't want them to know what was fixing to happen. He didn't. Are we there in time? You know, we preach this message. I'm 64 years old. Second Sunday, I was born on Sunday. The second Sunday I was alive, I was in a Pentecostal church. I've known this all my life. And I've heard the same things all my life. I've heard it preached since I was a little bitty. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And the preacher would preach it like it's fixing to happen before you got out of church. You better repent because if you don't, I'm telling you, scare you to death. Kids, little kids would scare to death. He's coming, but it was true. But let me tell you right now, we're so close. We're so close. Could it be before that great day that he's going to drop the scales from my eyes and we're going to see some things that we've been talking about, preaching about, Hallelujah, I got a feeling. I just got a feeling. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good to us all the time. All the time, God is good. Amen, 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 amen. Would you lift your hands right now? Would you lift your hands and tell him thanks? Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Lord. Speaking into our hearts today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He took that piece to rest. He put it way down in my soul. God's got it all in 
God's got it all in control. He's in control. He's in control, folks. The God that we proclaim, the God that we serve, is in control. I don't care what it looks like. If you don't think we're in the end times, I want you just to think back even four or five years ago and see the change that's come. This world is not going to, it can't last long. It can't. This generation will not pass away until all is fulfilled. And if we read, literally read the scripture, he was talking about before that, about Israel coming back and becoming a nation. 1948. If, 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 uh, if a generation is 100 years, which apparently it is, you go back to Genesis and read. Apparently, the generation is 100 years. So he's got to come by 2048. Got to. Well, we're getting close. I don't think he's going to wait to the last minute to come because this thing is wrapping up quickly. It is wrapping up quickly. So here's the thing. Here's what I want to And it's not something to hang our head and be sad about. We need to see everybody saved that can be. We need, we need to do whatever we have to do to proclaim this message to our children, to our, to our grandchildren, to our families to our neighbors we need to let our our town know that Jesus Christ is coming soon 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 and we've got to be ready we're not going to make it because of what we know and I feel like a lot of what we've done growing up is we felt like we were saved by what we know I mean you can't be saved if you don't know but we're not saved by what we know I want to act on it. I want to do it. I want to do everything I can do. I want to proclaim it. I want to proclaim everything I know that is truth and right and righteousness. This world needs a voice of righteousness. Your community needs a voice of righteousness. Your, your, your neighborhood needs it. We need it. Got to have it. Noah proclaimed righteousness, the Bible said. Preached righteousness. Didn't save very many, but he saved his family right you say well nobody's listening nobody cares oh you wait you tell it and see what happens tell it brother uh, brother Stephen Wright tell tell people about what God brought you from I know because I've heard his testimony people need to hear that they need to know yeah there's a way out of the darkest the most difficult situation and circumstance there is a way out some of you have been alcoholics and drug addicts and you come out of it you were depressed by the devil but now you're not hallelujah oh yes tell it tell it tell it tell it tell it I gotta tell somebody I gotta tell somebody alright God bless you it's only 1030 uh, yeah it's only 1030 according to that clock back there you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the government that does this to us. So go home this afternoon, get your hours rest, make up that hour. You'll be good tomorrow. Next Sunday, you'll be even better. All right? God bless all of you. Love you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Next Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, Wednesday night, Facebook, 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 live message by Brother Greg Hooker. And if you've been missing it, you've been missing it. Go figure out what I'm talking about. Amen. Good stuff. One of these days we'll be back to normal. I don't know when, but we'll be back to normal one of these days, whatever normal is. Turn around to somebody near you, shake the hand, smile. No, don't shake the hand. No, 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 no. COVID shake. However you want to do it. It's, we're going to get through this. We're going to get over this. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We're coming out of this. You know, the devil meant it. The devil means this type of thing for our destruction but we're going to have revival in spite of the devil keep proclaiming it brother Bill keep proclaiming it keep doing it keep doing it keep doing it sometimes we think we're not doing anything but keep telling it keep telling it keep testifying to the goodness of God God bless you dismiss see you next Sunday